Hey there, Zlatko here. Welcome to What Is My Brain podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I get the opportunity to chat with fellow founders and business operators about their journey and how they got to where they are now, where they are going and how they're going to get there. I'm planning on bringing guests and touching on topics such as running multiple businesses, executing ideas, and just spitballing about random topics and current events. It's a casual conversation, and that will hopefully bring value to anyone that decides to listen. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for tuning in. All right, we're live officially. Hi, Elise. How are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm uh, really, really honored to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate you uh, jumping in so quickly. I just emailed you last week and we're already on. So I really, really appreciate this. I know. Can you believe it? Just like that. Yeah. <laughs> so quick. Um, so I want to just give you, uh, you know, however much time you need, just introduce yourself, what you do, um, how we got here and uh, all of those things. So I'm just going to give you the floor and then I can uh, jump into some questions and, you know, we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I know uh, crypto has been at the top of your list for a long time. So maybe we could jump into that. <laughs> Ooh, okay, perfect. Um, <laughs> So that's great. My name is Elise DeCamp. I have been in e-commerce for a lot of my career. I've been on the brand side. I've been on the software side. I've done a little operating. I've done some investing. And I founded Toki recently. Uh, I am the non-technical lesser half <laughs> of the Toki founding team. Uh, and we are focused on bringing consumer data on chain and basically bringing consumers and brands into the crypto world. And we are uh, focused on uh, retention and acquisition and really how we can help brands. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, uh, first of all, um, I want to get a little bit into your uh, into your history because you do have a definitely a unique journey about how you got to where you are. So how did you get into, you know, brands? How did you get into, you know, I know you have a past at uh, WeCommerce, which is a huge, you know, uh, umbrella company that has a bunch of different products. So I want to know how, wh where your journey basically started, how you got into where you are now, and then what's led you to this point and what made you make the shift from, you know, Web 2 to Web 3, basically. Yeah, I think I got really lucky, honestly, in being a part of this wave of operators and entrepreneurs that rode alongside Shopify, right? I mean, I feel like you can yeah. definitely relate to this, but I started building websites in college that were on WordPress mm -hmm. and then was able to see when Shopify uh, started to grow the, the benefits of the platform and what this would kind of mean. I think at the time it just meant, oh, this is makes my life a lot easier but then a few years in it kind of felt like oh this is a movement this is this is our category is really growing and e-commerce is really a uh an interesting place to be and so i went from building websites in college to uh moving to new york city i was from kentucky working at yachtpo and being a part of their journey and then launching my own brand and then getting into the investing side with WeCommerce. So it's been, uh, that makes it sound really smooth, but it was not at all. <laughs> it's never <laughs> smooth. It's never smooth. <laughs> it's never smooth. I was just talking to someone about that. It's never, I was just talking to a founder that IPO'd last year. And I always thought in my head that he was, you know, he had a smooth track and I just know it's never smooth. So, um, yeah, but, but it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of brand did you start uh, on, let's say on WordPress and then brought it over to Shopify? What was that? What was that brand? Yeah, so it was actually a chain of retail stores called Boutique. So my parents had basically opened up a store when I was in college in my little hometown, which has 300,000 people. And it went well. And so they thought, oh, we should continue to do this and, and, and open another one. And one thing led to another. And they, uh, you know, went digital as well. And so that was, that was basically the beginning for me of like understanding what it's like to build a brand and uh, manage the operations of it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And what year was it when you switched over to Shopify? I want to get an understanding how early you were into the ecosystem. Oh, well, you're, now you're aging me. <laughs> um, okay. Because the only reason that, so the only reason I bring that up is because the struggles that people had back then with Shopify and some of these platforms has drastically yeah. changed to where we are now. I mean, Shopify just, you know, months back released like NFT support and all these other things. So I'm just trying to Great give point. people a little bit more of a picture of like, it wasn't Shopify, it wasn't Shopify back then. There was a lot of struggles. People were scared of being on a, you know, an individual platform. The people were not trusting them. People, you know, there was a lot of that. So I'm just trying to understand what struggles on top of the, the entrepreneurial struggles you had with even the technology side. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Uh, it was 2013. So at oh, that wow. time, yeah, at that time, <laughs> yeah. people were also using Magento a lot. And so there was also that wave between um, like 2013 to 2015, where we saw a lot of people get into tech debt with Magento and make the transition to Shopify. I remember going to those conferences and everyone was doing it. Everyone was making the migration. And, um, and it would take a long time to make the migration too, because they're, they're deep in it, um, with Magento. And so that just, it feels like literally yesterday having those conversations and hearing people, um, I, again, can get by a little bit technically, but mm -hmm. I'm by no means an engineer. And so I can speak a little bit to those challenges, but can't get super deep. Um, but yeah, it's been an that, interesting. That's exactly journey. where I'm. That's exactly where I'm at on the technical <laughs> level. Like I know enough to be very dangerous, yeah. and then tell you like, no, that's not how it should logically work. But all the heavy stuff, I'm like, do not talk to me about you that because this. I just, uh, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so how totally. did you? Uh, and uh, how long after you know you started the brand did you end up like transitioning over to more, let's say? your e-commerce days or anything else in between that? Like how long did you run that part of your business for? Oh my gosh, a long time. So I was at Yachtpo for um, a few years and then I had the brand for a few years and then did a stint where I worked on the 2020 political campaigns kind of election oh, wow. cycle. Yeah, and then then ended up at WeCommerce. So it's been, yeah, a, a, a quite a long journey and somewhere in the middle there, I got into crypto, um, just with personally in, investing and in like, you know, the typical cycle of like, I think a lot of people that have been through this, like, you know, 2016, 2017 was like the, the time to, to sort of get in. And, and that's when it happened for me. And just out of just curiosity and having friends, uh, obviously I had heard about, um, different cryptocurrencies, I guess through the Silk Road sort of time period, mm -hmm. but did not personally partake though I had friends that were partaking. So that's, that's, a, my that's amazing. Of and did timeline. you end up, did, did you end up selling your brand uh, to somebody and kind of like leaving that part or did you just kind of let it like dwindle out? I, I did. It was not, um, like a, a glory filled experience. Right. I think that, right. <laughs> Uh, there, there, are, there's glory. And then there is like making a decision. And it was definitely like, a, I'm making a decision where I uh, have two different paths in the road, I could try my hardest to raise money for this thing and, and sort of have a little bit more comfort in this growth sort of cycle, or I could, um, you know, look for an exit. And I was approached by a company that really was admirable to me it was like what i wanted my brand to look like 20 years down the road and nice. they were interested in, in acquiring us and um so i really saw what my future could look like and I, I decided that's really not what i wanted and and i wanted to really not do an aqua hire type of thing i wanted to step away i want to do something different and so i got yeah i think really fortunate and that i got that experience of being an operator and realizing i love it i got got the chance to um then sort of explore what investing could look like and mm -hmm. was able to, yeah, experience that as my sort of next chapter before diving back into entrepreneurship again. 
I love it. And did you, most of your investing that you did after that, did you invest a lot into the Shopify ecosystem or did you go like into different categories? Did you go into other brands or was it more like, let's go directly into the tech side because now I know, you know, how everything works under, under the hood type of thing? Yeah, mainly tech. So I, I spent a short bit of time um, as a fellow with Bloomberg Beta where they invest in future of work technology. And so I saw specifically that thesis and they invest in a lot of AI and machine learning technologies. Flexport is a, is a big portfolio company of theirs. It's a success story. Mm-hmm. And, and through them, I met the founders of WeCommerce and really re-entered sort of the e-commerce arena. And it just felt like such a natural fit given the software that we look at at WeCommerce, really all the tech partners I had used for my e-commerce brand. So it was it was very natural. I quickly had a thesis in different categories and was able to say, I think this is interesting. I think that's not interesting. I think this is sort of the timeline for these categories to sort of mature. Here's what's fairly new. And so that was a really great opportunity. And I haven't made any brand investments. So I, I would like to. But have not. Oh, that, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, um, in terms of just going into the WeCommerce side for just a short minute, and I know uh, there's a lot of things that's happening on that side of things. But what when you came from the brand side and all this, like, what is the number one category that you were like, this is going to be sort of the future of e-commerce? Was it more in the let's say the loyalty? Because I know obviously Yachtpo. Um, you know, they, they have a whole platform of like loyalty and, uh, you know, all these other things. Was that the category or was it more like, hey, we need to focus on, you know, whether it's like automation or something along those lines? It's a really good question. So at WeCommerce, my focus was on majority acquisition. So uh, okay. the, the, the aim is really to uh, acquire businesses at least 51% of them. And so a lot of the things that we would look at as a result are not necessarily as, I guess, early on in their life cycle. Um, mm-hmm. So thinking about really the future of commerce is something that was actually quite challenging, right? Because we're really yeah. thinking about the here and the now and this business has like X number of revenue and their margins are this, and we can kind of underwrite that success for the long term. Whereas some, thinking about the future of commerce, you know, those are businesses that are potentially raising a lot of venture capital and like taking a lot more risks. And so I think that we got pretty lucky in one category, which I think is very pertinent to the future and also a little bit of a, of a risk, which is zero party data collection. And so the, the last acquisition that I did at WeCommerce was for No Commerce, um, which is a post-purchase survey platform. Uh, allowing brands to create, collect zero-party data post-purchase. And so that's a category I think that is massive for the future of commerce. And there's a lot of different directions to go with that. So I feel like that was, that's a category that I think is like very pertinent. There's, there's also other categories that, you know, we might've been able to, to look at, let's say like, um, like live shopping, social commerce, things like that yeah, 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 probably yeah. would be a category that could potentially like skirt both sides of that coin. No, I, 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 it's so funny that you say no com- commerce because you introduced me to Jeremiah uh, and I actually had him yeah. on the podcast as well. We haven't released the episode yeah, yet because we've been a little bit like backlogged, but um, he was very interesting to talk to because I know, he also had, you know, previous experiences with like WordPress and WooCommerce and building plugins and all these other things. And then he was just like, no, this is where 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 it's all going. And that's, you know, I guess how no commerce kind of came about. So that was really interesting. And I'm really thankful for that introduction that you made because he's a great dude. Um, really, really enjoyed talking to him and, and the business that he's building and, and the approach that he's taking, honestly. I think uh, what, what they're doing is very unique and, um, you know, it goes a long way. And, and same thing with like, you know, uh, brands like uh, Octane and, you know, all the zero party data stuff that's actually really, really powerful. And I mean, we at the agency use it all the time. Like we are, you know, with like Octane and these different uh, uh, companies, like these are becoming 
the revenue drivers for a lot of the brands that we're that we're using. And so that's been super powerful. How big was your team that you kind of managed or were part of like during those acquisition days, like uh, during WeCommerce and stuff like that? Were you guys a big team or was it just basically you and then whoever else wanted to join? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very small team. I worked with one other person on the acquisition side and then uh, legal and maybe tax consultants and then maybe a a data scientist and very, very small. Yeah. I love it. it. I love it. it. Yeah. That's amazing. So, so now that takes, that takes us into, into your new, uh, stage of life. And the one thing I would want to mention as we kind of talk into this, and I loved what you said about, you know, building this brand and really not knowing, like, do you want to go into acquisition or do you want to grow this thing to be, you know, this big brand? And you're like, no, I really want to, I want to start something new. Um, To me, the diversification, and I don't know if you're, you know, like this, but to me, it's always like, I have this, it's almost, I call it ADHD, but I know it's something else on top of it. It's like, (laughs) you're constantly now trying to find that in almost like that, uh, in a good way, I think dopamine gets a bad rep sometimes, but it's that, yeah. that dopamine hit that you get when you start something, you build it up, you operate it, and then you're like, wow, I can disconnect myself from this and go start something else and be again in that place. And I call it always going back to the novice level. Like, I love that because mm-hmm. you get to learn all over again in a different environment. You go from building a brand totally. to building SaaS completely two different ball games. Like you think it's like, oh, it's just building a company. It's like a whole different ball game. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'm sure this doesn't bode well as a vote of confidence for my investors. Hopefully they're not listening. But yeah, it's totally different, right? I I think as a entrepreneur, you could potentially be addicted to that newness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, This like, guy right here. Curve. This guy right here. Trust me, I would start 15 other companies right now if I had the manpower. Like I I have no problem saying that because honestly, like it's like people jumping from job to job. Like my girlfriend works in recruiting and you don't know how many times people are just like, you know what? I've been here for two months. I don't really like it anymore. I want to go somewhere else. I need something new. And like, why can't I do that? If I start my own business, why can't I just say, okay, this thing is running itself. Like, let's go start something else because I had another idea. I had another passion and it had something came up and I saw an opportunity. Like, I think that's the beauty of it. It's not being stuck in one place. It's being able to diversify. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes, it takes, it does take diligence to kind of know what you're capable of, how many hours you have in the day and to be able to dedicate to something and commit to it. I had a, a mentor of mine that before I started Toki said, I know how you get with shiny objects. Like, are you a hundred percent in on this for the next five years? And, and I said, yes, we're like in the back of a cab, New York. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was very memorable sort of moment, I guess. Um, but it almost makes it I, easier when somebody knows that about you, right? Like, it's almost like, okay, you know where I'm coming from. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, so how, how, so how has it been building now, not only a new company, a new business, but in a completely new industry? And when I say completely new, crypto has been around for a while, but, you know, Web3, NFTs, like all these different pieces to the puzzle now that you have to consider um, regulations, like all this other stuff, mm-hmm. like how, how, what are the, what are the upfront challenges and what are some of these challenges that you're seeing, like, we're going to need to cop that hurdle at some point, but we don't even know if, you know, when that hurdle is going to come up basically. Yeah. There's new regulation coming out every day. Uh, yeah. Fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I have tended to start to say that the hardest things are the most rewarding. So I think that this has been very, very hard and it's going to continue to be. I think the fundraising process for us was challenging because we spoke to, we're a web two and a half company and yeah. there are crypto investors that did not quite understand the e-commerce aspect of what we're doing. And there are e-commerce and consumer investors that not, did not understand the blockchain aspect of what we're doing. And so it was a whole education process and it will continue to be so for a long time. And I am 
totally okay with that. I think we've baked that into our entire go-to-market and everything. The education is going to be a really important part of what we're doing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's hard, but, but really, really great. I think the benefit is that we're all learning together. And I think the critics of blockchain, um, are critiquing it at this moment in time. Like uh, Mm -hmm. they're critiquing blockchain technology as it is today and saying, this doesn't work. Why would you do this? This, that, and the other. And they're really not considering the fact that these things don't happen overnight and we're all building the plane while we're flying it. And they need to be optimists as they look at the potential that we have here. Or at least that's sort of how I'm thinking about it. And so I'm really excited about that. I think that's that's really rewarding. Yeah. And what's, what's the, um, if you had to kind of put something on a wall right now, like what is that end goal that you have with Toki that you want as like when you get, I'm not saying that, you know, the goal needs to be end of it, but what's that first like milestone was like, when we get here, like, I know we've kind of solidified what we're doing is actually making, you know, impact on some brands or whatever it is. Like, what do you have? That's like your, your, I guess more of your, not your short-term goal, but kind of like your medium short-term goal in a way. That's a really good question. I've gotten a bit more narrow-sighted with my goals i think recently of just like setting it more quarterly and i don't know if that's the right strategy but it certainly allows me to be focused in in the moment and so our our real focus is on launching in august and um having successful case studies with our design partners the brands that we've been talking to all year and Mm -hmm. if we can do that then i think that we can basically do anything i think that the north star here is to onboard the next 10, 50 million, 100 billion consumers into crypto blockchain Mm -hmm. uh, through either our wallet or other wallets. And so our aim is to build a platform that gives brands the tools to do that. And so they they become the conduit to this sort of movement. And I think that we have seen other consumer platforms start to do that. I reference Stepin all the time for their success as a platform and and a good example. And so I just hope to follow in their footsteps. God, that was really (laughs) cheesy. (laughs) No, listen, I mean, that's, that's how early the space is, right? It's like, you really, you, you can be the, the sort of the trendsetter, but then there's always going to be somebody that's like, Oh wow, these guys, they must have started this almost way earlier than even I was thinking about it. But for the people that don't uh, really know about like what you guys are after, how would you describe Toki in like a one sentence, basically like your, I guess your, your pitch to your investors. Like what was that thing when you told them that you were like, this is going to catch them, uh, you know, blindsided basically. Yeah. Well, right now, as we sell to brands, we, the entry point for us is white label loyalty. So loyalty Mm -hmm. as a category has struggled in the e-commerce space. And so we are entering that with a platform that is global loyalty. So it's easier login for consumers. Um, It connects more activities than a normal loyalty platform would. So you can get into all kinds of different incentive structures with affiliates or consumers based on whatever they're doing on site or in stores. And then we consumer facing, it's just a much more enjoyable gamified sort of experience where you have a wallet, you have a mobile app and Chrome extension as your wallet and the loyalty tokens that you're getting from these brands, you can give to your friends, you can convert, you can get cash back for. So it's um, differentiated from what we've typically seen in these one-to-one loyalty platforms for, for e-commerce brands in the Shopify ecosystem. And that was much longer than a sentence. <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. We're going to take that clip Sorry. and we're going to make, no, 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 that was perfect. Um, and, and okay. So here's a, here's a quick backstory. Cause I'm so happy that, you know, you brought that up um, in 2000, I want to say 2014. Um, I consulted for a company that was trying to tackle very similar um, kind of issue on their end, but they were trying to go after 
something like the airline. So if I'm at a hotel and I acquire points, I want to use them for airplane or air uh, airline tickets, or I want to use it for a restaurant in that city or whatever that was. So um, it was actually the company ended up getting rebranded to be called Loyal, L-O-Y-Y-A-L. Um, I don't know what they're doing now. I think they're still around and they're doing a lot of consulting. But um, it was a the, the struggle that we hit during that time. I remember talking to because I was a chief operations officer, but slash consultant. And so I remember just a big thing at that point being, you know, how is this going to work and how is this going to benefit both parties? Because if you're earning something here, you're using it over here, like this person doesn't get any, any of that back. But I think the point that a lot of people miss, it's like, well, there's going to be people coming from here going over here as well. It's not a one-way street. And so um, that's really interesting because I think on the brand level, like let's say let's use Yotpo for the for the sake of the conversation. It's like if I have my Yotpo rewards points on brand A, but I as a consumer want to shop on brand B, like this is stuck here and this is stuck here. Even though it's the same platform, I don't get to use them. You know, going across the different uh, different brands. And so for me, that's always been kind of a big issue because you know you're kind of stuck, like you're like you said. So I'm really really curious on. Um, how has your, you know, your acquisition on the partner side for those for that network effect to happen? How's that been? And what are some of those pieces that people are just like, you know, kind of giving you pushback on, I guess, is my, my really long question. <laughs> no, <it's> like, <laughs> I, I had seen them before, Loyal, and I can't remember if it was through years or someone else. But I think it's a really good question. I mean, we are right now selling directly to brands one by one. Yeah. And okay. maybe that's not the right path forward, right? There's a lot of different ways to build a network for loyalty. Lolly is another example of like a f affiliate uh, business model, which is mm -hmm. interesting and a reference point. A lot of people talk about. Um, so I, I think that's an open-ended question. We also get questions about if it's a negative if it's a negative for the brands that we are a network and my, the second sort of feature set within Toki is cross brand acquisition. So this is something that is very important to our platform, but it's not something that we are actively pitching or part of that one sentence right now, because it has value when we are a network. And right now we've not, we're not an open network. So right. how I think about it is, acquisition is terrible. We all know that. Like your typical paid advertising channels right now are not panning out for you. And so all brands are looking for um, other ways to acquire new customers. And the example that has worked in cross-brand acquisition so far is the category of uh, Disco, Canal, and Caro, right? So it's that um, marketplace style cross-brand acquisition. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of taking... Uh, a bit of like um, a page out of that playbook and thinking about if we are a network of brands, a bunch of brands join us, join Toki um, and consumers have a wallet where all of their loyalty tokens live from all the brands in our network, Nike, Everlane, whatever. Mm -hmm. Can that be an opportunity for cross-brand acquisition? So how I think this works and how this works on our platform is that you as a brand could set up a rule and say, whenever anyone comes to my website and they have these tokens in their wallet, I want to show them a personalized discount or a personalized experience that aligns with that sort of background. So it would technically be like if I were Nike and I see someone has Everlane tokens in their wallet, I want to show them a 20% discount after they spend one minute on site or something like that, because okay. that is a high quality customer that I want to acquire. And I, and I think that we will, because we have like, like-minded brands. So that becomes then this sort of like acquisition rule that you could have ongoing. And mm. so that's kind of a benefit to being in a network is having access to that consumer data that you might not readily have. You may not know where someone else is shopping otherwise. So yeah. the wallet becomes technically like the 
cookie in this yeah. sort of scenario. So. Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's amazing. And and how long has this been idea been brewing in your head before you actually went into executing it? Forever. It was <laughs> like last September. It just it oh, feels wow. like so. Yeah. 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 But that's only what been like seven months, I eight know. months. <laughs> I know, but we didn't start developing till recently. And so, yeah, it's like, I, I think it's a good thing. I was just talking to someone about this. Like, it is back to like the shiny object thing. It's really good to like think about something for a long time to talk to a lot of people about it yeah. before committing and saying, this is really when I want to spend a lot of time on. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And and how big is the team now currently? How, how have you guys expanded since you started? We will be seven, I guess, technically next week. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. And is it mostly is it mostly engineering right now or is it marketing or what is the what is the heavy heavy lift there? It is mainly engineering. It is three engineering, oh. one product designer, uh, my co-founder, one partnerships marketing, sales, CX, jack of all trades person, and then mm -hmm. myself. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Well that that uh I'm I'm really really pumped to see the experience because I know the biggest thing for a lot of the and you I love that you called it like a web 2.5 rather than like a web 3 or web 2 because I think there is a level of like you know even even companies like let's say Coinbase or whatever like they've went through this whole cycle of like how do we make this the norm? How do we appeal to people rather than having people appeal to us type of thing? And that's always, I feel like, going to be a struggle uh, for a lot of companies um, to kind of maneuver in that space because, you know, people are simply just, I want to whip out my card and pay for it. And I don't want to log into 15 different places and find this and all this other stuff. And it's that experience that I think is like the focus of, of this industry. And I think most people are, starting to do a much better job for a long time. I just kept thinking like yeah. somebody in the design world needs to just step into this like crypto space and like redesign all these websites and these user interfaces because like it doesn't, yeah. you just, you know, even as a tech person, I'm like, why? Like you guys could have easily yeah. cut the step, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm really glad to see it because I think, I think all the experience that you've gained from obviously running a brand, being in the you know acquisition space, understanding brands, talking to brands and all these other things, like I think this is where it all kind of comes together for you to understand like, oh, this is how we you know need to approach this or whatever it is. So I am uh, I am rooting for you and I hope that you uh, knock it out of the park. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Vice versa. Yeah, I, I think this is the next wave. A lot of people coming from web two, a lot of people coming from web three, meeting in the middle and like yeah. building real use cases, I hope. I, I love it. So what else have you been up to? What, what have you been doing? I know it's been a while since you and I, uh, you and I chatted. What, what's been going on in, uh, in your life? What's, a, what's the exciting parts? Have you been traveling? Have you been doing any exciting stuff? I went to Turkey. I don't know, if, have we talked Ooh. about that? No, yeah. we haven't, we haven't. That's amazing. How was that? Yeah. Amazing. It was so cool. I would definitely go back. It was beautiful. I went to, uh, let's see, Istanbul, Troy, Cappadocia, and got to meet actually someone from our team, which is because we're fully remote. Everyone's all over the place. So it was a really amazing experience, and I would definitely go back. Highly recommend it. Oh, yeah. Um, my... Uh... Uh, one of our designers is from, Tur or actually two of our designers are from Turkey. And, uh, oh. you know, they keep, they keep saying like, we need to have our, you know, company retreat over there and all these other things. And it's just like, it's, it sounds like an amazing place. I've never been, unfortunately, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It must be full of design talent. That's lots of Is that where your designers there. are too? He he's like half the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's something's so going cool. over there. There's, there's some sort of talent pool of designers over there. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and he talks about us uh, having an office there all the time, which I'm not opposed to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So how, how's been, uh, how's the transition been for you now? Like after these past couple of years, everyone being on lockdown, traveling again, like, 
did you get to meet a lot of your team already? Did you guys, are you guys just been kind of zooming and different things like that? Or how's been the sort of the culture building part of it? Because I know that's obviously very important at these beginning stages. Like how, how have you been able to manage that part of it? You know, it's been hard. Like I think that we continue to have work to do on it. It is particularly, we've hired talent based on what's who's the best at their trade and that has been that has led us to have a team with people in every single country like known to man it feels like I so that it. leads to a bunch of different cultures which i love it's so cool i have uh, everyone's holidays on my calendar so i learn about a new holiday in a different country every day which is cool but that's really cool. Actually. Really I love that. I love that. I feel like I need to do that because all of our team is pretty much like all over the place too. That's a really good idea. I'm so glad you said that. Otherwise I wouldn't know. I'd be like, well, we have a, we have a daily standup at 6am Eastern standard time <laughs> and really rough, still getting used to it, but it's, that's what works for everyone. That's when we can all meet. That makes sense. But um, yeah, it just, it's, it's hard. And we try to do things like schedule, like video game time. That's been a cultural facet of our team for whatever reason. I love that. I love yeah. that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. So how, uh, so you, you said you guys were uh, launching in, uh, in August, like, um, what is that looking like? How many potential brands are you launching with? Like, where, where does that all kind of fall into place? And are you hiring more people on before and after the launch, I guess? Yeah. So we, I think we'll probably end up doing the launch with around 15 brands. Um, and that will be, I, I guess it'll be like a closed launch. I think we will open things up officially in October. And until that really be taking, um, bringing new brands on, just one by one sort of a little bit handholding not not exactly like yeah. open on the on the app store team wise we have been uh doing some interviews taking taking some applicants but we're being very cautious in this market we're not really actively um doing a ton of hiring but i think yeah. we we really do want to bring bring on really great people and build a really great team so kind of depends yeah. Yeah. And can you talk about how much, uh, and if you can, it's okay, how much funding you guys have raised and how much you're planning on raising like after maybe the launch? Yeah, absolutely. We raised $2 million in a, okay. a safe. And so that closed a while ago. We, I guess, potentially will announce it on this podcast if our <laughs> press release doesn't come out in time. Uh, we're planning on doing a press release. Exclusive, uh, everybody. Exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive. <laughs> You heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> I can already see the text after this. Like, hey, uh, can you take that out, please? <laughs> yeah, no. No, no, I'm just kidding. Really, I'm just kidding. No, no, I really think it's okay. I mean, I, I'm we're not really precious about this information. I've certainly told people, but I do understand there's some sort of like a way to do these things, which maybe I'm yeah. a bit of a rule breaker in that sense. Um, <laughs> So, beautiful part about I, being uh being at the uh, at the at the helm and not having to listen to other people you're just like hey this is yeah. my info now <laughs> uh, uh, yeah i did it i don't know i'll talk about it when i want to yeah yeah, yeah. um i'm very <laughs> gracious to my investors yeah and i don't i don't know in this in this market i don't know i mean i think that we will either raise later this year or early next year and it's just kind of dependent on how we are feeling i think we think about customer acquisition. And I think the amount that we raise will be highly dependent on if we are going after bigger enterprise brands, which need a mm -hmm. bit more customization, or if we're going with smaller brands and that uh, are a bit more self-service and that one sort of leads us down the, ra the rabbit hole, I guess, of like building a sales team potentially and like a CSM team. One is more focused on marketing. And so I think we have learnings to take from our beta launch to figure out what direction is correct. And as a result, how much we'll raise and when and at what valuation and all that stuff. So I don't know yet. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Now I have an interesting question. Do you see any of these like web two brands, whether it's like a loyalty thing or whatever it is, you ever see yourself maybe like going after doing like some sort of like acquisition to buy that clientele and like bring them into your wheelhouse? Or is that something you're just like, you know what, we're going to go organic and hopefully they come knocking on our door. Like what is your, do you have a strategy or have you thought about that at all? Like in buying like another loyalty platform or buying like a, a brand that will... Uh, buying a loyalty platform basically mm -hmm. and saying, you know, we're going to basically bring all these like merchants mm -hmm. and all these people, bring them over here and, you know, kind of introduce them to, I mean, you know, uh, a, a, like a Yachtpool, for example, has a huge client yeah. base and that might be worth, you know, some sort of money yeah. for you to be able to be like, hey, beta launch went well, this and that, like we need to just hit it hard because there's going to be, you know, five other players trying to get into this place, uh, uh, space sooner or later. Yeah. I love that idea. It's definitely been talked about for sure. Um, not seriously, but it's something that I think is really interesting. I obviously love acquisitions, so it'd be a fun <laughs> project to be able to blend all of my interests in one. I think it's, I think it's, would be pretty cool. Obviously know like what tech debt would come with that and, and that how that could be a challenging integration. But I definitely do spend a lot of my time looking at the data behind what customers are using our competitors and what that looks mm -hmm. like. I'm sure um, we could have a whole conversation about um, all these tools out there that give you that information and, and how you kind of look at that. So yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a beast. It's definitely a beast. Um, there, so uh, go, jumping back because you just said acquisitions and and blending all that together. Because like I said, I think you you've kind of brought in so many different pieces of like what you've been doing. What was the hardest part about you know knocking on somebody's door and being like, hey, we want to acquire you to actually getting that deal done? Was it you know the personnel? Was it you know what 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 sort of struggles did you hit? Because I I've been approached in the past about certain things like a couple apps and different things like that. I just never entertained it because I prefer building things organically. Uh, I'm an, I'm sure at some point I do want to you know sell something. Um, just curious about from I guess my own knowledge and anybody listening like what are the toughest parts and how long do those processes usually take? Um, especially with the company you know maybe like WeCommerce where you guys have. You know, a lot of brands, a lot of people, does it fit into our portfolio and different things like that? Yeah, I would definitely bake in the six month time period. Like potentially it could be four, but that would be, you know, that's fast. Uh, four, four is possible. I guess four is possible now, now that I'm kind of thinking about it. The hardest part of that process every deal is so different. There's going to be challenges with each one. And probably the most difficult part is like that last two weeks of like, you're almost there. And then there's this back and forth with like legal about a few different things that either you've known about all along and you didn't really want to talk about or that you <laughs> didn't know about at all. And that, and that like are surprises, I, I guess, not speaking from experience, but yeah. this is just that's what kind of can happen. Um, it's also, you know, you're underwriting a five-year plan with a business, right? Particular, oh, yeah, yeah. I think, for for you in mind and for, for other sort of founders out there, it's kind of different based on who you're selling to, right? So if you're selling to a strategic, they're looking for specific things and they're underwriting specific things in the acquisition. You're selling to private equity. They, you know, want to, flip your business in a few years. So they're underwriting other things. If you're selling to e-commerce, um, they're going to hold on to your business forever. So that's very different. Mm. So that is, I think, something to seriously consider when you think about who's acquiring you. And that will help you as a founder understand, I guess, the whole like acquisition process better than right, right, put, right, put yourself right. in like their shoes because they're they're really just trying to underwrite certain things so that they know what's going to happen with the business for the next five years. They know what they're going to do. Like they have their plan. They're just, the diligence process for the acquirer is just about building their plan for the future, really, and I making see. sure they feel like secure in it. 
I think. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you, in, in that sense, how do you feel about platforms like a micro acquire, like uh, where they, you know, do these quick, like, hey, SaaS is doing $25,000 a month. Here's how much we can give you. It's almost like 30 days and you're, you've got your check, you walk away type of thing. Like what, what are your thoughts on something like that? And, and, you know, somebody yeah. doing, let's call it, I don't know, let's call it a hundred thousand dollars MRR every single month. Do you think that person's better off going with a tool like a micro acquire or they're better off going to like a private equity firm or, 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 or what, what, what would your, I guess, not advice, what would your like plan be, uh, be around that? Cause I know there's a lot of Shopify apps doing, you know, 20, 30, hundred thousand dollars. And they just are kind of sitting on that where they could probably just turn it around, flip it and then go start something else. Yeah. I think MicroAcquire is amazing. I think Andrew's amazing. And Same. the the impact that he has had on the space, is, it's almost like likened to Shopify. I've never really thought about like, but he has empowered this whole wave of entrepreneurs to build and like grow and like then live their lives. Like it's, it's yeah, it's very similar to Shopify in that way. You're, so you're so right about that. I never thought about right? it that way. I'm so glad you said that right now. That is an amazing. Like I literally yeah. want to tweet that at him right now. Like, dude, you're the Shopify acquisitions said yeah. by police. <laughs> <laughs> please do. Please do. I, I'm no. so, I think he's awesome. And the transition that he's going through right now to like, being like a, a free to use platform to like being paid and like figuring out his monetization strategy is like really exciting to see. And I just, I hope that he just kills it like a hundred percent. So yeah, I and, think he's for already founders, killing I it. think it's really cool. I think with the, yeah, no, he is. I, I, from at least what I see again, the picture inside and out is completely different sometimes. But I mean, just even his like marketing approach about putting people's yeah. tweets in like New Times Square and yeah. just getting creative. Like it just, you know what it is? Like when I see something like that and then I take like a private equity firm and all these other things, it's like, I just see that guy having fun. Like he just like, I had yeah. a couple acquisitions. I, I, I don't need the money, but like, I just yeah. want to help people and I want to fucking have fun with it. And I want others yeah. who are winning to have more fun than I'm already having. Like, and that to me, like, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm literally going to take that and I'm going to send that to him because that is the best way to put it. He is literally the Shopify of acquisitions. Like he has become, cool. he's built a platform that is absolutely amazing. Totally. I, I've used it. I acquired a business on it. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done anything yet. It's stealth. It's just chilling. Yeah. But hu huge fan. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Can I ask you, is it like a like an e-commerce brand or is it a SaaS company? Just, I don't, you don't need to get into details, but. It's an e-com SaaS app. Another one of the. Oh, love it. Space. Yeah. Love it. That's amazing. He, he, yeah. And I guess the only other thing I would say is like, if you're a founder and you're thinking about selling your business, this is obvious no brainer, but like you should exercise all of your options. You should list on micro acquire. You should talk to every private equity fund. You should talk to everyone you can and you should do it throughout your whole process of your business. Like every time you get approached, I think you should at least have a few conversations to get like, you're just getting like a checkpoint in valuation and getting a sense of the market every single time you have those conversations. I know as a founder, it's, it's, probably annoying because you just want to build your business if, you, if you're not interested in selling at this time you're like why would i waste my time but really do think it is it is helpful to be able to value your business on the acquisition markets at any time yeah absolutely absolutely no i i, I love that um so uh let me ask you what is what is one message for a founder since you've been in so many different roles that encompasses this like what is one thing you would tell somebody that let's say starting the first or second company, let's say the first company, let's make it easy. What advice would you give somebody in terms of, you know, let's call it a SaaS company or, or brand or whatever it is. Um, what, what advice would you give somebody from, from your perspective of what you've seen and how to approach building and possibly getting acquired down the road? Like how do people plan for that? And cause I, I I'll be honest, I've never planned. I've never planned for any of my businesses to get acquired. I've always been mm -hmm. more in the role of like, I like the diversified view. I know there's people mm -hmm. out there building businesses to be acquired. So I'd love to hear kind of your, your thoughts on, on what that recommendation would be to founders. 
It's probably to be, I think there's planning towards the idea. And my advice there is don't leave your job until you know, have a semblance of what your fundraising is going to be like and who your first 10 customers are going to be. I think that you should plan as much as you can for that, for that first year, I guess. Kind of, I mean, that's a, we spoke a little bit yeah. earlier about like having a short-term mindset, but I do think having that plan in mind is really important. And then once you have gotten there, my second piece of advice would be to be hyper-organized with your data because that will make your acquisition process so much easier. I think that if you have a data room that's like readily available that tracks back to your start date and you have organized financials, that's a done deal. Like there's just nothing. That's all, that's all you really need. And that can be so simple for software companies. I know a little bit less about that on the product side, because Mm -hmm. when I launched my first company, there was a product company. I definitely was not planning ahead. I was definitely not organized, but having looked at this on the other side with software a lot, just uh, knowing the ins and outs of the data behind your business and the financials of your business is really all that matters. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. I think that's a that's a good place for us to uh, to stop. I think that was super amazing with all your experiences. Is there anything else you want to throw at throw at these folks? Any places they can follow you, where they can follow what Toki's doing, when you guys you know hoping to launch or any of that stuff? Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. I'd love to try to time this with sort of you know kind of the launch or whatever that might be, and we can kind of talk about that a little bit more, but. Is there anything Perfect. else you want to leave the leave the hopefully the whole five hundred people that listen to this? <laughs> yeah, reach out. Anyone, reach out if you want to talk about any of this stuff. I'm super down. My Twitter is ecomelise, and then Toki is at Build with Toki. So shoot me a DM. Time to chat. And I can vouch; she's super friendly. Everybody, she's she's going <laughs> to answer your your messages when she gets the time. So don't feel uh, don't, don't be don't be don't be afraid. Ask don't be afraid. When she gets the time. <laughs> <laughs> it takes some time. No, it takes some time. I appreciate. <laughs> no, I really appreciate. Call your out. Time. I like it. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Just give her a little bit of time. Everyone needs a little bit of time. So, um, no, at least I really appreciate you being on the podcast. I, I um, like I said, it's my honor uh, to have you here. And uh, you know, if you ever want to jump on, want to bring your co-founder, anything along those lines. Uh, just shoot me a message and we can make it happen anytime. So I really appreciate you and thank, thank you. you for dropping all this uh, knowledge. And I hope people, uh, you know, get uh, get some info about this, wh- whether they're starting a business or running a business or trying to acquire a business, whatever that is. I think there's a lot of good uh, gems in this conversation. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's so much fun to talk to you every time. So this is great. <laughs> really we always have a great time, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. Just feels like another combo. I love it. I I love it. Awesome. Uh, Thank you, Elise. I appreciate it. Bye. Well, you made it to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning into What Is My Brain podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got some value out of it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button to get notified when new episodes are live. I'm out. Thank you.